from the Esquire Lounge in downtown Champaign, it's time for Monday Night Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Featuring the News Gazette media sports writers, Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, and Scott Ritchie. Delivering the latest insights on the Illini and more. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line. 217-351-5357. Now, live from the Esquire Lounge on Walnut Street in downtown Champaign, here are the News Gazette media sports writers and your host, Steve Kelly. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Monday Night Sports Talk. Thanks to all the folks here at the Esquire that uh, braved uh, the weather conditions. And I guess this is our first snow of the season. The people driving today are acting like it's the first time it's ever snowed in uh, Champaign, Illinois, but uh, we appreciate the folks coming out. The phone lines are open as well, 356-9397, if you'd like to join us. Anybody here in East Lansing over the weekend? I was. So was you, Steve, and so was Bob. I think I was there. These are the diehards, though, that are here, so thank you again for, for coming out and, and braving uh, the weather uh, as we get a blizzard uh, on Veterans Day, but seriously, thank you for, for coming out and, and hearing us drone on about Illinois sports, which are exciting times right now. They really are. Scott Ritchie uh, made one mistake. He left Arizona. Well, yes. I think he should have just stayed there, but I he's in Chicago, so he's not with us tonight. He's on his way back to Champaign. Yeah, he, uh, he's had quite the travel uh, the last three or four days. He left Friday Left Friday morning uh, from, no, he left Thursday from Champaign, had an early morning flight out of Chicago, flew to, from Chicago to Salt Lake, then to Phoenix, covered the game Friday night at Grand Canyon, drove to Tucson on Saturday, uh, covered the game Sunday night, then this morning had a flight from Tucson to San Diego, so he went backwards, and then went from San Diego to Chicago, and he was waiting on his luggage when I spoke to him last hour, so who knows when he'll get that. Well, you picked a good uh, trip to take, didn't you? Yeah, I, I, uh, I just hopped on right at the, the right time uh, for the bandwagon, I guess, for, for Illinois football and, and was there on Saturday in East Lansing and uh, along with Bob and hopefully you guys all read in, in Sunday's paper all the, the coverage we had from that historic, uh, unlikely, shocking, stunning uh, win that, uh, that Lovey Smith's team had. Bob, you and I have covered Illinois about the same length of time. I figured probably... 400 football games that you and I have seen over the years. How does that How does that one rank for you? You can hear me. Oh, Ed, there you go. Ed, Ed finally made sure your mic works. Okay, thanks, There Ed. you go, Bob. Okay, yeah, I've, it's in the top couple of games I've ever seen in person. It was unreal, and I don't understand what – it was one of those I don't understand what it just saw type things, and amazing. I, I wrote a really good story, guys, they will never read – that was if I had lost, which, like they were losing. I, I was done by the end of the third quarter. My story was all done. It was really good. Trust me, it was award-winning, Pulitzer Prize-winning story. <laughs> but it's gone because I did, limited it, d deleted it, and I just started over. And I was panicking because, like, I was going, Matt, we got, don't have much time here. I said, take your time and get your work done. So we're fine. You saw it in the paper, so that was good. I wonder how many people were listening and or watching and turned it off at halftime, or would admit that they turned it off at halftime now, the way things came out. But I was doing a halftime interview on the radio network with 
Jason Hegemeyer, the ticket manager, talking about tickets for the last uh, home game coming up against Northwestern. And one of the last things I said to him is, well, you realize this game's not over. I didn't really mean that. <laughs> no. Never leave the game. Can't leave the game. You can't leave, leave the, the game, game, but I, I don't think any, even though Illinois scored in the last play of the first half and gave you a little bit of a feel-good feeling, I don't think anybody thought they were going to see what they saw. 27 points in the fourth quarter, and as I said, you picked a, a historic <laughs> one to go to. Yeah, exactly. I, as I was leaving uh, late Saturday night to, to make the drive back to – to Champaign, and we got back, I think, 2 a.m. on Sunday morning. It was 2.30, actually. Yeah, 2.30 or so. More credit. Something like really that. Nice. Uh, but as I was leaving, there were still a few riders uh, still riding, and I said, I don't know if I'm going to be at the Iowa game in two weeks, so I won't have to ruin all of your stories like I did today. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was incredible. Uh, I mean, Illinois got completely outplayed uh, in the first half. Brian Lewerke looked like a Heisman candidate for the right. first quarter and he's a half. He's not, by the way. No, he's not. Not no, at all. He's not good. Um, and what was really key, I think, for the Illinois defense was getting those two late uh, interceptions in the first half to keep Michigan State off the right. board there. And then, obviously, the it wasn't a true Hail Mary in the sense because yeah. Josh Amatatorbebe had single coverage on him, but Brandon Peters just threw it up in the end zone, and Amatatorbebe went and did what he's done all season and, and just make a play, and, and that was a huge uh, – you didn't see it in the third quarter, but it turned out to be a huge touchdown for Illinois given they're only down 28-10 to 10 at halftime. And – the third quarter was just a slog. I mean, both teams were just trading punts left and right. I think Illinois only had one first down in the third quarter and had 19 yards of total offense. So, no, I did not predict the offensive explosion that they had uh, in the fourth quarter. But uh, what a quarter, what a moment, uh, not only for that game, but just for this program to clinch their, their sixth win, to get back to bowl eligibility. Lovey Smith doesn't like to show his emotion when he meets with the media. He does behind closed doors with his team. But Bob wrote it in, in Sunday's paper. He was, all, he was downright giddy at, at his post-game press conference. I've never seen him as happy as he was uh, on Saturday night at, at Spartan Stadium. He did a little bit of uh, thinking before he left. He was smart enough to have one of the equipment guys bring along a bowling ball. Right. From uh, Amazing. the, the uh, Smith Center's bowling alley. Right. And he hoisted that up in the, in the post-game uh, locker room celebration. And speaking of Josh Amatterbebe, he was named the uh, Big Ten Co-Offensive Player of the Week. Uh, today, Sidney Brown, the co-offensive player of the week defensively. Kofi Coburn, the freshman Big Ten player of the week. Right. Quite a debut for him over the weekend. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'll stay on the basketball front, too. Adam Miller, uh, class of 2020, priority for the Illini, uh, narrowed his list of schools down to three this afternoon, and Illinois made the cut. Uh, it's Illinois, Arizona, and, and Louisville, and he's set to... Uh, announce his decision next Tuesday. So uh, we'll see if uh, Illinois can get another win on the recruiting front as well. A lot of people have asked you, Bob, I'm sure, in the last uh, 48 hours how this football game uh, ranks up with other ones you have seen. And everybody talks about uh, the Ohio State game. Right, of course. And uh, But I think a lot of us felt that Illinois had a chance to win that I pe- game. I picked Illinois to win that game. I, I thought they would because they were really good and playing well. So that was that was less of a surprise than, say, the Wisconsin game, which Illinois was not playing well, and they came and won that game. So, yeah, that, this is more of a – this one, just because of the nature of the combat, was what makes it special for Illinois. And uh, it's a lot of fun to cover. I was at the 20-point game, which is at Michigan in 1989, and I think you were there too. Yeah. And that game was one of those – I can't believe that happened, not knowing Tom Brady was going to be the best quarterback or best quarterback players player of all time. He was on the other side. So when you look back at that part, it's like, 
that game was pretty special because Michigan was better than Michigan State was this year. Yeah, that Illinois team was kind of in the same boat as this one. Same record, actually, 3-3 three and three, as opposed to 4-4. Four and four. So it's really – those two were very similar. So I'd say those are the two best games I've ever seen. Best I've ever seen Illinois play, though, was the Ohio State game. That was unreal. We are off and rolling on Monday Night Sports Talk at the Esquire. Any questions in the audience, raise your hand. We'll get around to you. We're expecting strength and conditioning coach Lou Hernandez to uh, join us here before we're done at 6 o'clock. We'll take our first time out. We do have the phone lines open. 356-9397 is the number. Thanks to the folks that uh, brave the weather. And if you're uh, out and about looking for a place to stop by, stop and see us here at the Esquire. We're back with more Monday Night Sports Talk after this. You're listening to Monday Night Sports Talk on DWS with the News Gazette Media Sports Writers. Live from the Esquire Lounge on Walnut Street in downtown Champaign. Welcome back to Monday Night Sports Talk. We are at the Esquire in downtown Champaign with you until 6 o'clock. Any questions here in the audience, raise your hand. We'll get to you. Got one right on cue. This one's for Eddie. Wow. Ed, you've uh, been in a lot of press boxes, been in a lot of locker rooms. What was the reaction on everybody in, with everybody up in the press box? And I don't know if you were in the locker room Saturday. But uh, tell us what, what happened up there and, and down there, if you can. Well, I was in the um, locker room before the team arrived, setting up for the uh, post game. And as it worked out, we had to do Coach Smith in the coach's locker room and then the players in another location. And usually that doesn't happen. Got with Kent Brown, and he said he'd do it. He moved the equipment from one place to the other. And I said, you know, if we win, we have to have players. So he agreed to do it. So that worked out real well for our post game. Steve was able to interview several players and also the offensive coordinator, uh, Rod Smith. So it worked out just terrific to have those guys there. Everybody up in the booth, there's a couple of videos I posted. And you can find them on just about anything. But, you know, at the News Gazette sites, um, my personal Twitter account, you know, anything else of you, if you Google anything to do with the ball game, the videos will come up. And uh, Brian and Steve were, um, you know, jumping up and down. And, or, and, uh, wait, 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 Steve was not jumping up and down. <laughs> no, Steve was not. Brian and Martin were jumping up and down. And it, it was uh, a lot of fun. I just decided to turn the telephone on in the last couple minutes there let it roll and it was a lot of fun so those videos are out there um, for everybody to see but it, it was a it, for me personally it was one of those days where everything worked and uh, I felt really got done I'll tell you one sort of behind the scenes thing that uh, the format for the television this week was FS1 and not Big Ten so this is you know behind the scenes stuff. I didn't really look at the format that well, and um, the quarter break at the end of the first quarter was a short break, and so we actually missed part of a play. You know Brian had to sit there quiet while this play was going on, but the pro that Brian is, uh, he recreated it, and no one knew knew the difference when we came back on the air. Okay, so we're going to the second half. 
and I have to get four breaks in the third quarter. I got the four breaks in the third quarter, and I very specifically told Brian, we are not going to a break. We are not going to a break. No more breaks until the fourth quarter. And he acknowledged and said, I understand. Okay, good. But it's his routine. The end of the third quarter comes, and he starts announcing on the air that he's going to the break. And I talked into his headset. I said, no break, no break, no break. And he comes back, and he just continues. He says, well, I guess we're not taking a break. You know what happened about 15 seconds later? 83-yard touchdown pass for the Illini. <laughs> so I was really glad that I caught that one because there's no way to recreate uh, the touchdown pass. So, uh, you know, I was mad at myself for missing the first quarter break, but uh, I was really happy I caught the third quarter break because that was the start of the terrific comeback. So that was my day at uh, Spartan Stadium. And I got a lot of free food. Thanks for giving me my microphone back. Wasn't sure if that was going to happen. Yeah. So uh, appreciate that, Ed. If you, ever, if you ever want to talk weekly on this, you can. Right. You don't have to just turn out a five-minute monologue. Like the Ed you just Show. Did. I think fun. the Ed Show is good. Yeah, it's the Ed Show. Monday Night Sports Talk with Ed Bond. I like that. I think it would be fun. We can all go home, beat the snow. Let's talk about <laughs> uh, you and Bob. Do we and, have to? And, and how your day went with, as Bob mentioned, he was writing one story mm -hmm. by halftime, but as you guys sit down at a game, whether it's you or Scott yeah. with Bob, you kind of uh, kick around what angles you're going to take, what things you're going to work on. Yeah, first off, we have to make sure the, the brown paper bag is there for Bob so he can breathe into it when he gets nervous or anything like that. that. I'm completely calm at all times. <laughs> Anybody who knows me know that's. I, I think on Saturday's instance, like, like Bob said, he, he, he had a, a column going and it was along the lines of, okay, Illinois kind of swung and missed. Uh, right. you know, they, they had their, right. their shot at getting a bull berth and, and they kind of fell flat. Right. And that was kind of the angle he was going to take and then kind of looking ahead it's to... really good to the, the Iowa and, and Northwestern game as, as those two big opportunities. And then you had to kind of flip the switch oh. and, uh, you know, kind of go in a different direction, and, and that's what we did. And then uh, I was kind of handling the notes part of Sunday's coverage right. along with the grades. And, um, you know, I focused in on, on the final final minute for Illinois once they got down. Right. There after, it was first and goal, I think, of the one, and they had six plays to get in the end zone, and they somehow managed to mess up the first five plays pretty badly. Uh, so, and it was it was nice too on Saturday because we don't normally get uh, Rod Smith, the Illinois offensive coordinator, after games. But I guess when you clinch a bowl berth, he can talk to the media after the game. So that was nice, and uh, he kind of went through the progression and, and what the mindset was for him uh, on that uh, eventual touchdown pass from from Brandon Peters to to Daniel Barker. Everybody, uh, say hello to Lou Hernandez. Lou is the strength and conditioning coach for Illinois football on his second tenure here on the staff. When you hear the phrase, body by Lou, that's who we're talking about, Lou Hernandez. Welcome to the show. Good to see you. Thank you. It's good to see you. Glad to be here. Appreciate it. Let's uh, talk a little bit about that game and sure. uh, Absolutely. what led up to it. And uh, we want to talk about some of the players individually, too. But uh, your feelings about the, what you saw, had you ever been through a game quite like that? Not quite like that. It's been uh, really interesting. Um, I know we prepare a lot in our training to be ready for the fourth quarter but I'm not really waiting for the guys to step up and play in the fourth <laughs> quarter. So if, if we could get started fast and finish strong, well, that'd be a, a lot more enjoyable. So, Coach, 
the, every guy I talked to this year, I asked them, what, what happened? Why are you guys playing better? And they all point to you. They all say, Coach, Coach Lou got us going early, got us thinking the right way, changed our mindsets. Talk about that. What, what's that meaning to you? How does it make you feel to hear that? Kind well, of I, I appreciate it. And it's, it's great to hear um, about the buy-in uh, because we see the buy-in in the weight room with how the guys come in now and understand the expectations of the room. That was part of the converse, my initial conversation with Coach Smith when I got here was to go over the expectations of that room. And fortunately, uh, we're both on the same page. So that makes what I do of, um, very easy down in that weight room when you've got the support of the head coach to take care of business. Uh, it's been absolutely incredible um, to watch the guys on how they've responded. And probably what's been uh, my biggest supporter of it all has been our past players. And uh, just having a conversation with Martin O'Donnell here a minute ago, um, I had a conversation with Eddie McGee at a Richard Mendenhall function in Chicago this summer about, you know, guys are still coming up to him saying, are you serious about what we have to do this summer? I mean, do we really have to do all this? Did you guys really go through all this? Is this what it takes to get yourself to where you want to be? And they've been the biggest ambassadors, and they have the blueprint uh, to what we believe has been successful here in the past. So the credit goes to them and then to the, our seniors right now who have bought in because of all that, it appears, from day one. So we've been really excited about that down in the weight room on the results and the buy-in that we've had from our players. Lou Hernandez is with us. He's a native of the state of Texas, as is Lovey Smith. And we have a caller from Texas that wants to uh, say hello. Jerry, go ahead. You're on the air with us. Hey, I know you guys are having really bad weather there, but you know what? I am so proud of that uh, football team. And, hey, Louie, you've done a fabulous job, buddy. Well, thank you, Jerry. I appreciate that. Thank you. My, I have the easy part. I, it's the guys that have to go through the pain and discomfort, and um, I just make sure that they get everything done. <laughs> hey, hey can, can I say one thing to Mr. Bob? Sure. Go ahead. Sure. Bob, have you enjoyed eating crow since you'd be uh, downgraded Illinois the last four games? Keep it up because we keep winning when you say Illinois isn't going to win. Bob picked Illinois to beat Michigan State, just for the record. It was in Friday's paper, but it's okay. You I understand. Hey, Jerry, thanks for the call. Thanks, Jerry. You actually went the other way, didn't you? You said they were going to win out. Bob. I did. I, I've not changed my mind. I think that actually might happen. I think the Iowa game is critical. I think they're going to kill Northwestern. But – Coach, you, you can't say that. But the uh, Iowa game will be critical, and Coach, Coach knows this. He's, he's been there before. Absolutely. We mentioned that Lou was here uh, earlier under Ron Zook. Mentioned the native of Texas, and as is Lovey Smith. Did you know Lovey at all before? Uh, I did came not, out? only by his reputation, you know. And it's been absolutely incredible for me personally to be handpicked by Coach Smith to be on his staff. I still get calls today from people back home who can't believe that I'm on the, that I was I'm a, I'm one of his coaches. So it's been absolutely incredible. You had a pretty good job though at North Carolina. You were there what seven years after you left here? That's correct. I was here for seven, and I was there for seven. So, so you're going to um, be here for seven again? I'm hoping so. <laughs> I got a I got a question. So you worked with Coach Zuck here, and Coach Coach Lovey Smith here. Those are two very different guys. Without getting you in trouble, 
can you compare those two guys? Like, oh, what, there's uh, there's kind of different people, correct? Oh, uh, they're they're completely they're totally different people. Um, well, I think we can see that, you know, really obviously. But the biggest thing they have in common is their care factor, their passion um, for what they do, um, and how much the players mean to the to that coaching staff. Okay. Um, so that's been one thing that they definitely have in common is they really, really um, are passionate about what they do and how they love their players. Well, Lou, what was it like for you on the sidelines in the fourth, late in the fourth quarter on, on Saturday when it's 34-30? What's kind of going through your mind? How much nerves, emotions, things like that at all? You know, I'm not really necessarily watching a lot of the X's and O's. Um, I couldn't tell you if they're supposed to run left or right anyway. I'm just trying to see if they're supposed to left, run left and right, are they still running there fast? You know, so uh, that's what I'm trying to evaluate. So, you know, that's... Speaking of uh, somebody running somewhere fast and being strong, the uh, Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week, Josh Amaterbebe, Talk a little bit about him as an athlete. It looks to me that uh, if it's a 50-50 ball, he's the guy that's going to get it. Absolutely. He, first of all, you know, he's a great kid, just a great guy. Um, and he's a big frame and a big body, um, muscular, um, strong, powerful, and has a vertical leap of over 40 inches is what he's done for us. Um, so it's, it's, it's a big body who can jump high and, and hit hard. Uh, I, it's a 50-50 ball. It, it's usually going to be his ball. I want to meet the guy that can out-jump him is what I want to say. I watched the 83-yard play several times. looked like he's pulling away, and I assume that's what you like to see. He was he was speeding away from them. Like they were running some kicks on, and they, he was like, see you guys. He could have turned around and said, bye. Absolutely. He's big, he's powerful, he can catch, and he can run. On our GPS units that monitor – the distances that they cover, um, their impacts, uh, their workloads, it also covers their speeds. And he is one of our speed freaks, which means that he has generated speeds of over 20 miles an hour when it comes to his straightaway speeds. I think that particular run, he was about 19.5. So he, he kept it in about fourth gear for some reason on that run. He's got another gear. It's kind of like... Lauren Tate in the audience who's about to ask you a question. Yes, sir. Lou, I'd like to know, uh, you're close with the players. What's their relationship at this point with Bobby Roundtree? You know what? Everything we do seem, it, it's about Bobby Roundtree. Um, first of all, from the, from, our, um, from the media that we put out, you know, our Twitters, our, 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 our Instagrams, everything always has a Bobby Roundtree um, hashtag because we're always thinking about Bobby Roundtree. Um, you know, he is, I didn't have an opportunity to spend a whole lot of time with him, um, but I hope that this, with what we're doing right now, can, hopes to make some type of an, a long-lasting impact with him. Um, he right now, even, even though he's not here with us, he truly is the body and soul of every, all the success that the guys are doing right now. Obviously, he's a huge rallying cry, rallying cry and source of inspiration for this team, but what does it say about this group of guys, too, because you have so many transfers on this team that they've all seemed to kind of buy into to what the program is all about? You know, it's, it's one of those things that you know, when it comes to the lifting, when it comes to putting on muscle, when it comes to guys getting faster or leaner, you know, that's one of the easy parts of what we do in the weight room. 
Um, the more challenging thing is our philosophy of getting your mind right. And through all that, and I talked a little bit here about pain and discomfort, um, that's what kind of pulls our guys together, um, is to be able to go through times, to think when you're tired, to help each other, to be behind each other. Um, it's been what really solidifies uh, the unity uh, behind our program. And I, I give all that credit to these seniors, who a lot of them have bought in from the beginning to help us be the group that we are right now. I've seen your new weight room. Is it too fancy? <laughs> well, we still stink it up every day. I get that, but I'm just wondering if it's a little too pretty. It doesn't look like a place you want to be sweating. That's stuff. exactly so right. Like I tell you what, it, yeah. please don't tell Josh, but we, we, uh, we stink it up every day. And, um, you know, it's, it's definitely an impressive room. It has Josh's signature all over it. You know, it's first class. It's top shelf. It's, it's, um, it's grade A. I mean, it is, it is an unbelievable facility. Um, but most importantly, we're able to get the work that we need to get work done in that room. We're talking to Lou Hernandez, strength and conditioning coach for the Illini football team. Feel free to join us, 356-9397. If you'd like, raise your hand here. The Esquire, if you have any questions, we'll get to you. We need to take a break. Back with Lou Hernandez and more after this. Stay with us. You're listening to Monday Night Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 with the latest news and insights on the Illini, live from the Esquire Lounge on Walnut Street in downtown Champaign. Are we on the... I'm, I'm on. I'm talking. I think I'm on, too. Have dead batteries. Steve Kelly, you have my microphone. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate your support here from the Esquire. We do have a question out here in the audience. Go ahead, sir. Uh, last week we had Fletch from, uh, I think, has your same position with the basketball team. Yes, and it seems to be a common denominator that I've detected that the psychological aspects of the job that you do seems to be almost as important or maybe more important. I don't think that was <laughs> Okay, so that basically what I'm, I'm asking is, do, do you think that that aspect of your relationship with the players has as much to do with the success as the strength and conditioning and stuff? Absolutely. That's why, uh, that's why our philosophy basically starts with get your mind right. It's all about how you come in and approach the task or the challenge of the day. Um, everybody in the country's got bench presses, everybody's got dumbbells, everybody's got a place to run, but what is it that you're going to do different to try to separate ourselves uh, from everybody else? And it all has to do with that mental approach and the purpose behind it. So that is a big factor for us when it comes to getting our mind right and the mental part of what we do to get successful. Let's take another phone call. Bob in Urbana, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I wanted to mention that another factor, I think, with this team and with this whole program is the Marching Illini. The Marching Illini did a, pro a joint program with the uh, a Spartan Marching Band. They had 600 to 650 kids on the field at halftime. After our band stood in the corner the first half and the second half, they were on their feet four hours with nowhere to sit down. So I give those kids credit for hanging in there and helping the kids win. Thank you. 
Yep, Bob, we appreciate the call. The phone yeah, line they, is uh, open. They, they, they stormed the field uh, after Saturday's win. They, they joined the players and chanted bowl game as well, and they got their mind right. Absolutely. I tell you, I'm a do. big fan <laughs> of Barry. Barry does an un, just an incredible job, and the conditions that we had to face that day and to be able to stand there for the amount of time that they did and everything that else that they had to do, in support of us, was really impressed with the condition of the band. I might have to ask him for some notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's probably good that they didn't have a seat because do you, did you see how, how high it was to yeah. get down to oh, the field? Absolutely. They would have had to come over the about a 12-foot uh, ledge there to get down. But yeah, a few Illinois players were trying to jump up into the crowd, and I don't think they – they obviously didn't do their, their workouts right, so they couldn't scale like a 12-foot wall or anything. Right. Well, Bebe with a 40-inch vertical, exactly. he could have made it, maybe. But uh, exactly. talk a little bit about uh, Lou Hernandez, some improvements that you've seen with these guys. You don't have to get real particular okay. with, with names of players unless you want to, but how can guys improve over the course of when you first see them and then from season to season? It's been great. Uh, since, you know, uh, when we stepped foot here in February – um, we wanted to bring back our record boards, which uh, has to do with three different totals. Uh, there's a 1050 club for our skill guys. There's an 1150 club for our combo guys. And then there's a 1250 club for our big guys. And what that means is we'll take the total of our, bi our three biggest lifts, which is our bench squat and our power clean. So our receivers and DBs, they have to have a combination of 10, uh, 10, 1050 and above to make that one particular club. Our combo guys have to do 1150 and above, and our O-line and D-line have to do total 1250 and above. So going into the summer, we had two receivers uh, that were capable of, uh, of producing that type of poundage. Justice Williams was one, Kendall Smith was the other, and these two guys came, started off our summer already in that club. When we got into our combo guys, it was only Dele Harding, who was the only guy who could produce that amount of poundage going into summer. And then in our 1250 club, it was Kendrick Green, was the only lineman we had going into the summer who could produce that amount of poundage. Our 1050 club went up to 10 guys. Our 1150 club went up to eight guys, and our linemen went up to, t to eight guys as well, too. So coming out of the summer. So we definitely are moving in the right direction. Our 300-pound power clean club, we had three guys in the beginning of the summer that could produce that amount of numbers, that, that poundage. We're up to 21 guys now. In comparison, though, to our Rose Bowl team, who was 45 guys, so we've got a ways to go to get to where we'd like to be, but we're definitely headed in the right direction. Got a question out here in the audience for Lou Hernandez. I'm interested in how many hours a week do the players on average spend in the weight room, and then how many hours a week do they spend actually practicing? That has to do a lot. We are all under the umbrella of NCAA um, regulations. So during the end season, when you're seeing our guys right now, we have up to 20 hours that we can spend with the players. And that has to do with practice and practice times and even lifting times. We have to stay within those 20 hours for NCAA rules. For me, in the, in the winter, in the off season, and in the summer, I get up to eight hours um, during that particular time. So we'll break that up, you know, a couple of hours throughout the week. I really don't even use that. We do a lot of work in a short amount of time 
that we don't even really uh, use up all our eight hours. Um, and that's just our style of working out and our lifting. Uh, there's no wasted time. Everybody's got a roll. You got a lifter. You got a spotter. You got a man on deck. There's no um, no nonsense in the room, and the guys have really responded very well with that. So, because of NCAA, it's 20 hours in the end season, uh, with everything that they do with practice meetings and lifting, and then it's eight hours in the winter and in the summer. And the great thing about my job is I get to see them year-round and almost every day, unlike some of the other position coaches who have to back off at times. Uh, Coach, thanks for being here. Um, do you attempt to combine strength work with speed, running, and so on? And if so, how do you do that? Great question. You know, it is a comb it has different philosophies. The number one exercise that we do in, our, in the weight room for that um, are our big combo lifts and our Olympic lifts, most importantly. Olympic lifting, uh, which we'll see a lot during the Olympics, obviously, which is the cleans and jerks and snatches, those are highly technical, coordinated movements that involve a lot of fast twitch fibers in your body. So that's exactly what we're trying to work on when it comes to the, the strength aspect and power aspect of the weight room work. Then we'll also do a combination of a lot of field work when it comes to maybe jumping drills, plyometric drills, technical drills, mechanic drills, uh, overspeed work, you know, things such as that, everything that has to do with the mechanics and development of speed. When I was at the University of Houston, I had the, probably one of the greatest opportunities at that time was to be on staff with the, one of the world's greatest sprint coaches. His name was Tom Telez. He trained people like Carl Lewis and Leroy Burrell, some of the fastest men on earth at that time. And I had a small role in Carl Lewis's last and final ninth Olympic gold medal um, when it came to some of his training. I mean, very small role, because Tom <laughs> Telez was, is, was his guy, is his guy. But the greatest thing I had was the opportunity to see and understand and learn how the, how the world's best works on mechanics and conditioning. And it doesn't matter. There's only one way to run. It doesn't matter what kind of, what position or what sport you play. So understanding how to get better at that, I had a great opportunity to learn from one of the best. The team's off this Saturday. The next game's November 23rd at Iowa. What's the plan this week for the players, and how do you go about that process, given they're trying to recover and also build up and, and maintain what, they, what they've done? Absolutely. You know, our first bye week, we really wanted to try to, which was a little bit earlier in the season, we wanted to try to load more. We wanted to try to do, add in a few more exercises to get us here where we need to be in November. Now that we're here in November and it's week 10, um, we are of, of the season for us to play games. Um, we're evaluating our guys actually and just trying to do more about recovery. Um, our guys are still lifting. They're still doing the exercises. We've deloaded a little bit because that's what it appears that we need to be doing this particular week. And then we're going to pick right back up for Iowa and then finish out strong with Northwestern. Is there a player in your, in your history? I know you guys never like to name names. Is there a guy in your history that really kind of did it right in terms of working and all the things you, wa you want to see in the player? Is there somebody like that maybe from the last time you were here? Oh, my goodness. i tell you what. We'll just start with Jay Lehman. You know, that's okay. a nice, easy one right there. I tell you, when we had Jay Lehman, he was maybe 210 pounds when we first got him. Um, but the greatest thing about Jay was his dedication 
to work and his commitment to getting himself better. There were times we had to throw him out of the weight room. We had to physically go stand and grab him by the shoulders and escort him out the room because he wanted to continue to always do more. I'd show up early, stay up late. By the time we got to his senior season, he was 247 pounds and was, and was on all the boards that we could possibly have. And was a, most importantly, what he was doing as a leader, as a captain, um, definitely outshines all the rest of his numbers and everything else that he was able to do. So he was definitely the guy from start to finish, developmental-wise body to leadership, who uh, we, I, I set as a marker for our team. We've got four or five minutes left with Lou Hernandez, strength and conditioning coach for Illinois football. You mentioned the University of Houston. We mentioned earlier you're a Texas guy. What was your major at Houston, and did you have this in mind? How far back? Oh, uh, this is all I've ever wanted to do from my, my experience as a power lifter. And then, um, you know, my undergraduate is in exercise science, and a master's is in um, exercise science. So my wife says I have a major in, in dumbbells and a, and a minor in barbells. So I said, yeah, okay, that's fine. So, yeah, it's, all, it's everything I've always wanted to do. So it's been absolutely incredible. Going back to maybe the off season, how do you think when you guys, when the, the players are going through early morning workouts, say in late January or something like that, how does how do moments like that help a team come October, November at all when the game's on the line and, and it's adversity starting to hit? You know, we pro we we, we <laughs> these are things that we work on all the way back in February when I first got here was the purpose. What is the purpose? You don't just show up to the room and you go through the exercises. There has to be an intent. There has to be a goal. And we always try to put them in positions to understand how to get better uh, during adversity. Um, we want to make things uncomfortable because the game is uncomfortable. Situations are uncomfortable. You're fatigued. You're tired. You've got to continue to think. You've got to continue to execute. So everything that we do in that weight room um, all correlates to what we're trying to accomplish on the field. Everything from our simple goals, you know, you got to pay attention, everybody's got a role, you got to know where to be, where to line up, you know, you're a lifter, you're a spotter, or you're a man on deck, you know, make sure you put the dumbbells back in the same spot, make sure you have the eye standing up tall because the eye is never down when it comes to our plates. Where everything is lined up accordingly, it's paying attention to detail. So it's all the little things that we concentrate on um, that we try to really uh, focus on when it comes to that particular approach to get us to where we need to be here now. Lovey Smith looks like he still knows the way to the weight room himself. You got a program in place for him? Well, actually, he does. He's, he's in great shape, and you know he does a. He, he's got an exercise program, and it's top secret. Uh, he doesn't <laughs> want anybody to know what he does to look that way. But uh, he, he definitely puts his time in. Who, who has doubt. the better beard, you or, or Lovey? <laughs> I think um, what I've understood is if um, we're looking at one that's um, you know, truly, that it still has color, maybe one doesn't have color, <laughs> I think it's going to be a tie. We'll, be, we'll call it a tie. Lou, how has social media changed your job? It's been uh, absolutely amazing. I tell you what, my wife thinks I spend too much time on it, you know, and it's, it's been interesting, and the approach I try to, uh, to, to use with that is when I remember growing up, I think my folks couldn't stand the music that I would listen to, but it was just a matter of 
the times of that era. So you have to be able to stay in touch and in tune because this is how this generation just communicates and this is what they're into. So it's important to try to send messages um, so that they have an understanding and you have a connection with your team and your group. So it's something that I've learned and I still have some of my younger staff members who try to teach me and help me because uh, I'm trying to get better at it every day. We are out of time. That uh, time went quickly. Thanks, That's Coach. Lou Hernandez, everybody. Thank you, guys. Thank if, you. If anybody here would like to arm wrestle with Lou, the line starts behind Lauren T. Awesome. We appreciate you listening to our Monday Night Sports Talk here at the Esquire. We will not be here next week, right, Ed? We have, we have a basketball game that starts at 7 next week. So we'll be back here in two weeks on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Steve Kelly for all the guys. Good night, everybody.